Hi guys, welcome back to Skincare Anarchy. This is your host, Ekta, and I am super excited because this is a very different kind of episode that I have for you guys today. Um, I am going to be interviewing a few people that are really leaders in their field, and I'm super excited to introduce everybody to you. So first, I have um, Lori Robertson, um, who is a very, very nationally acclaimed um, nurse practitioner. Lori has over 39 years of experience in medicine. She has also been the medical consult and actress for the ABC TV show General Hospital for 19 years. So welcome to the show, Lori. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Extra, for having me. I appreciate it. It's truly my honor. I would love to uh, ask you a little bit about um, your background. I want I want the uh, listeners to know, you know, just what you've done and how your background has been in the industry. Oh my gosh, I don't know where to start, girl. <laughs> I um, <laughs> I started my career in intensive care as an RN, and then went to emergency rooms. So I did those com- combined. I did those for about twenty four years, and then yeah. became a nurse practitioner and educated myself right out of a job because uh, my hospital at that time didn't use nurse practitioners or PAs. So I ended up working in family practice for a few years. And uh, during that time, um, the whole time, I was the medical consultant for General Hospital and quite a few movies and stuff. So I said, I did a lot of medical consulting on the set, wrote wrote dialogue, just all kinds of fun stuff for TV land and learned a lot about that fantasy world. (laughs) Yeah, that's so cool because I love all the, I love all the medical shows and this is so surreal to be talking to you. (laughs) Yeah, it was neat. Because because General Hospital, I had my I'm a, I'm union too, so I would be on the show and play a nurse whenever I was there. But I did that for about 19 years, and I was able to bring a lot of uh, diagnoses into the scripts, like HIV and yeah. breast cancer and pediatric heart transplant and things that really educated the audience uh, regarding yeah. a lot of, of medical conditions. And we gave them a lot of good medical information. But then whenever the writers would kind of stray off into oblivion and fake stuff I would just say okay let's just make a fake drug you're not going to use a real drug <laughs> make a fake yeah, drug so, yeah. so people don't think it's real <laughs> but it, it was it was it was fun it was very very fun but um That's anyway so after amazing. I <laughs> yeah. so after I um after I did that I became a nurse practitioner and then um, ended up going and getting Botox once with a friend and said, wow, look at this clinic. You know, the doctor has time to, to stay with me and, and spend time and talk with me and educate me. And I've never had that opportunity in all of the specialties I've worked in to really spend time with my patients and, and get to know them and yeah. really find out what they need. So I kind of transitioned into aesthetics and it became my absolute passion. And I feel like Cinderella. I've, yeah. I've just... I've loved to learn and share what I know. And it's just kind of, I think people appreciate that. I love to share what I know and uh, what I've learned along the way. And it's been, it's been amazing. It's been an amazing, amazing ride. I feel like I I pinch myself because I'm meeting so many amazing people and being able to help people and help practitioners be better and safer practitioners with their patients. I love that. I love how much passion and enthusiasm you have for what you do. I mean, it really shines. And I think <laughs> the people in this world who really make a difference are like that. So it's, it's oh, such an honor you. to meet you. Seriously. Thank you so much. Thank you. I have you. a question for you, Lori, because I know you have a, 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 a background in injectables and you're an expert in that field. And I want to ask for all the listeners out there, um, can you tell us one of the biggest facts about injectables that all consumers need to be mindful of before they go to a dermatologist or a clinic or anywhere? Yeah, the, I think number one, pick your practitioner carefully. Don't pick them by degree. 
Don't go to a plastic surgeon because it's a plastic surgeon. Don't go to a dermatologist because they're a dermatologist because they generally aren't the ones who inject full-time. You need to pick a practitioner who injects full-time. And generally those are going to be PAs, nurse practitioners, or RNs most likely. Um, And besides that, you need to make sure that your practitioner has not only done this for a while and that they're not brand new. I mean, somebody's got to learn. People have to learn everywhere. I mean, but you want to make sure that you vet your practitioner, because I have taught so many practitioners over the years who tell me I've done this for 10 years and they are just as basic and just as dangerous as a brand new injector. So they have not, they have not sought any continuing education in this specialty. And it's paramount that when you pick an injector, it could be a doctor, nurse, I don't care who it is, you make sure they do it full time. And you make sure that they go to conferences, they read articles, maybe even they teach in this specialty. Because when you teach, you have to keep up on the latest research and safety measures. And it's paramount. So I tell you, people think when they're, they're a doctor or nurse says, oh, I've done this for five years. You think you're safe? You're not. So you right. have to ask more questions. That is such good advice because I know um, with like, you know, for example, a surgical consult, you would want to do your research, make sure your, your surgeon is up to par and, you know, and is up to date with all the academic, um, you know, research out there. So that makes complete sense what you're saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I get a lot of patients in that come in to me, say off of Instagram and they, I can tell that they, they've gone from Instagram famous to Instagram famous to Instagram famous. And some of the people on Instagram aren't safe. And I tell them, please, please be careful who you're going to. I say, I'm really glad you came to me because I am, I'm very conservative. I'm extremely careful and I love anatomy. So I know I'm as safe as possible, but I say, please be very careful. Vet your practitioner. Don't just go to an Insta famous person because you need to make sure someone really knows what they're doing and really is safe and really is cautious. Um, So it's, 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 they need to be careful. Well, I think we need to make you more Insta famous because honestly, you're the experts and I would like everyone to know that out there you need, you know, if you're thinking about injectables, really, you know, find someone like Lori, probably not going to find as extensive of a background, (laughs) but (laughs) as close as possible, if not her, but I thank you, Lori, for that. That was, that's exactly what I wanted um, our listeners to understand. I actually want to ask you a little bit um, about Botox as well. Can you give us a little bit of a understanding of any new technologies out right now? I know Botox is a very old, um, you know, it's kind of old in the sense of like, you know, a technique, but have you noticed anything that's, you know, up and coming breakthrough that you could tell us about? Um, I, can I back up one quick second and talk about injectables? Just real quick. Yes. Yes. Number two on injectables, make sure you do not get any permanent fillers put in your face, nothing permanent. So like some of these, some of these fillers are actually ground up plastic. So be, and, and if you put a filler in, that's not dissolvable, um, you can get into problems and you can't get out of the problems. So be very careful and use only dissolvable fillers. I highly recommend that. Um, because you can dissolve them and at least prevent a lot of skin death or d- tissue death that can occur with things, something you can't dissolve. How so do that's we one know other thing if I it's dissolvable or not? How do we ask well, for protection? There are, well, if you look at the Restylane or Juvederm products, yeah. those are dissolvable. If you look at a clear gel, those are called hyaluronic acid fillers, and those are dissolvable. If you look at fillers like Bellafil, P- it's called PMMA, polymethylmethacrylate, that is that is pretty much ground up plastic. That's not dissolvable. If you look at radius, that is calcium particles that is not dissolvable. So I, I, many people use it and many people have been safe for years, but I would say 
be cautious and know what is getting injected in your face. Just right. be aware and do your research. Absolutely. So that's my, my two cents on, on being careful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. And I'm actually wondering, um, what is some of the uh, most recent research you've uh, read in, in the area of injectables? If, if you could share that with us, something interesting you found. Um, well, lately we have, we've had a product come out, um, by Allergan called, uh, Voluma, Vobel and Velour. Those are Vicross products and they are, they are molecularly structured differently. They're very tightly cross-linked. It's a different weight molecular, uh, hyaluronic acid. And the, the problem is the body, sometimes bodies, people's systems are recognizing that as a foreign body and it's becoming very inflammatory and they're getting nodules. So yeah. You need to be like, that's one of the newer things that are coming out where we're realizing, okay, there's certain people, I mean, the product, I can't say it's a bad product. It's just different. It's different. So we need to choose that we don't put it in somebody with autoimmune disease or somebody with a lot of allergies or somebody that has an illness because the bacteria will go right to the implant. So we need to know our products and we need to know, okay, this product has a propensity towards having inflammation and nodules, kind of like BBs that form. So we need to be really careful in who we put it in and we need to be careful where we inject it. So practitioners and patients need to know kind of like, if I have an autoimmune disease, I probably shouldn't be using that certain product. Or if I don't want something I can't don't use this certain product. So patients need to do research. I want, I love patients to be knowledgeable and do their research. They, I love questions as a practitioner. I want as many questions as they can give me. Yeah. I love that. I really love that you're open to that. And I think any good practitioner is, you know, someone who really knows what they're doing, they're going to be open to questions. So I absolutely love that you said that. Now, one question I have as a follow-up to what you just explained is how do we deal with something that has gone bad? So somebody goes in, they get a filler done. It just looks terrible. Something, you know, a bad reaction. How is that usually dealt with from the medical Well, Well, number one, when you go to a good practitioner, practitioner who's knowledgeable, they should also know how to deal with adverse events be it early adverse event or a late onset adverse event. So you can have early ones like lumps and bumps, or you can have a late one. That's one of those inflammations, nodules, infections, and abscesses. So you need to have a practitioner who's well-versed in this. That's what I'm saying. Get somebody who does it all the time. If there is a problem, say a, a vascular occlusion where an artery gets blocked off, you pray that they have used a dissolvable filler. Because if they, okay. they haven't used something that does, that's dissolvable, there is nothing you can do. Nothing. You get dead tissue. You get a hole in your face. You get loss of part of a lip. It, it could be, you could get, be blind, whatever. So wow. you prayed that it was dissolvable. Now, if you've used a dissolvable filler, most of us in our offices, I hope everybody have a, I have a whole truckload of what's called hyaluronidase. It's an enzyme that dissolves the clear gel fillers. So we mm. can inject and we can dissolve it and get circulation back to an area that had lost circulation. And it can happen to anybody, no matter how good an injector is, an artery can get blocked off if they're using needles and we can't see underneath there. We don't have x-ray vision. We know anatomy, but everybody's anatomy is so very different. Exactly. So we just be as careful as we can. And if there's a problem, we know how to deal with it. So if you use the products that are like, that are clear gels, then we have a medication that can dissolve them and, and get out of trouble, but we have to do it within a couple of days. We can't, we can't let the patient go home and develop blisters that look like herpes, um, which is actually a vascular occlusion. So it's up to us as a practitioner to educate our patients in what to look for when they leave our office. So hence, I don't just, I don't inject anyone that isn't going to be in my area for two days. They have to be in with, you know, in my, in Southern California with it for two days before they they monitor them. 
so you can monitor absolutely them. yeah absolutely now, i have a question so when you when we uh deal with injectables is there any research out there pertaining to giving some sort of anti-inflammatory such as a steroid or something afterwards is that even needed or have you no. seen anything like that okay not at all no it's not needed and it's not needed unless there's an inflammatory reaction so okay. sometimes they'll do that like i said with the with that certain one the allergan makes there's more inflammatory reactions sometimes with people so they might give you know steroids or antihistamines we have noticed with research that there is a little bit of a connection between the vaccine the covid vaccine and dermal fillers so it's about a yeah. f- less than it's less than 4% that it's happening and it happens 9% normally so it's really right. not a big deal, but if it, if somebody does get an inflammation from having their immune system being on high alert after the vaccine, then, um, usually antihistamines and maybe a little bit of steroids take care of it. And it's not a big deal at all. So most of us are saying don't do dermal fillers three weeks before or three weeks after they yeah. get the COVID vaccine, just so the immune system can kind of be a little bit more calmed down and, um, maybe not have any kind of a reaction, but it's not, it's very easily treatable and it's not common at all. Wow. Okay. That's, that makes me feel better because I know steroids can also thin the skin. So I was wondering about that. If there's like some sort of reason to use them and then it causes skin thinning and then we have other problems. So that's, that's good. So I actually want to thank you. That was my, those are my main questions. I, I just want to ask for some general advice from you for everybody listening about injectables, you know, um, in terms of age, like, is there an age range that you can start or, you know, do you recommend like a time period when we should start thinking about getting injectables? You know, it's, it's, it, it really, really varies. I see a lot of younger millennials coming in because they look at Instagram and they want that chin or that jawline. And I yeah. really am very conservative and I, I caution against it unless they really have an anatomical issue where they're really not balanced. Well, yeah. um, I, you really don't want to do a lot to a young person because they will look older they will look older and done. So oh, we have to be very conservative sweet. in yeah. younger people. And our goal, our goal as aesthetic providers is only to replace what people have lost, not to put okay. stuff in where they never had it. So we want to, as people age, we just want to replace that volume so they continue to look like they did a few years ago. So right. the majority of the people that come in for fillers are in their thirties and beyond. If they come in younger, it might be just for like a little bit of a chin or lips or something very small that they kind of want, but right. younger people generally don't need as much. They really, really don't. We're really looking at replacing volume. And when you see cabbage patch dolls walking around that have, that are overfilled, that's yeah. simply, that's simply either lack of education with a provider or greed. They're making money out of putting stuff in people's faces and they're going to keep putting it in. So you've got to find a provider who will tell you, no, if you, isn't if you have a provider, practice, Lori, like if you do that, no, like, isn't that, no, 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 it's unethical. It's absolutely unethical on every, every, every level. But yeah. if you have a prov- provider that tells you that makes money off of doing fillers and they tell you, no, you don't need it. Stay with that provider Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. they're being honest with you. And right. I tell people no all the time. I say, please wait, let's wait six months and reevaluate you. You don't want to look like anything's been done. You don't yeah. want to, you don't want people to see your cheeks. You don't want well, the that goal to happen. Is to, you know, the goal is like, I want to just say, you know, we use the buzzwords anti-aging and whatnot. Yes. And this is what we're talking about. Do you yes. want to look like yourself again? Or do you want to yeah. look or like you do, or do you want your cheeks? Yes. Yeah. Or do you want your cheeks or your lips to, to, to get in the room before you do? 
know? <laughs> you know, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you one question though. And I, I, you don't have to answer, but what has been your least favorite like trend that people have hopped on? You know how everybody was like, Oh, I want Kylie Jenner lips now, or I want oh. this now. What's your, what's been your like least favorite trend? That's oh God. I have, a, I have a few. Um, the, <laughs> jaw, the jawline's beautiful when done right. I see yeah. so many jawlines that look masculine. People are overdoing the jawlines and they're yeah. looking like, they're looking like avatars. They're looking, the, <laughs> the women are looking like men. So, wow. you know, there's a point where you can accentuate something and there's a point where you can go overboard and not look normal. We have to, we as providers, we have to know balance. We have to know when someone starts looking abnormal and they might make a few bucks off of it, but they need to stop. Yeah. They need to yeah. stop. You were asking me about toxins earlier. Yes. So you were asking me about Botox and you know those toxins. I want to tell you something that was that was an eye-opener for me. Hmm. I um, love Dysport. I've loved Dysport since 11 years ago when it was FDA approved. And I used Botox before that. And I didn't know why it kicked in earlier and lasted longer. I never knew why. It yeah. wasn't until um, 2018, a study came out that 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 looked at the FDA approved dose of Botox, Zealman, and Dysport. Okay, looked at how much active toxin is in each dose. And yeah. it came out that Dysport had quite a bit more active toxin in each dose. Then, oh. then it came to Botox, then Dysport was the lowest. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Zeoman was the lowest. So Dysport had the highest amount of toxin in each active toxin in each dose. So with this drug, with this, this class of drug, the amount of toxin you get equals duration. Yeah. So, this, yeah. so, so I wonder why it lasted so long over all these years. I'm like, why did it last long? And people would ask me, I'm like, I don't know. They'd have to kill me if, if I found out, I don't know, yeah. but um, it ends up that, it, so it ends up that it, that's why it lasts longer. It's, it's a stronger medication. So it, that's, you ask if there's differences and yeah, the Dysport has more active toxin in each dose. So that's why it lasts longer. So I am probably one of the only clinics in the country. I don't even order Botox. Is that crazy? Really? Wow. I don't even order it because well, it's you, been patient. You've upgraded. You've upgraded. <laughs> yeah. It's been patient driven. Patients have wanted to go back to the Dysport. They haven't wanted to go back to the Botox. They've wanted so the now, Dysport. Is there any, is there any like adverse effects with more toxin per dose or is that? No, no there's no longer duration. That's it. Wow. If you, you can go to a point where you, you have an adverse event when people have, you know, hundreds of units you know, more than what they should be given, but that doesn't, that doesn't, ha that's only happening in research. Yeah. So no, and of course no, that no, goes no. back to a good practitioner versus, you know, somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you, it's, you have to think of the medication, the, the dose. I mean, the, the medicine is when you give a, a, a little, a unit of Botox or Dysport, it's, yeah. there isn't a dimmer switch on it the muscles either paralyzed or it's not, there right. is no dimmer switch on it. Yeah. So if you give a little bit, it'll only last a little bit of time. If you give more, it will just last longer, but it's still going to be paralyzed or frozen. Does that right. make sense? Yeah. So all or nothing effect. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's either one unit will last a little, a little bit of time and five units will last a lot longer. So the yeah. amount of toxin per dose means a lot. So now how much dosing would you recommend for like fine lines, you know, something like very minor, like maybe crow's feet or fine lines? Like, is there uh, usually like a, like a, a table with, you know, recommended doses you know or units? The doses, well, you know what, if I give one unit, it would be paralyzed the same as five units. Oh. Five units will just last longer. That's all. Interesting. So when people okay. come in and say, when people come in and say, oh, like Botox, give me 20 units of my whole face. Okay, well, 20 units is FDA approved just for the glabella, just for the frown lines. So yeah. if you spread that out over the whole face, you're going to be undertreated everywhere and it's not going to last very long and the people will be unhappy. Wow. You want someone to get at least three months out of this stuff. Yeah. So 
if you spread it out, if these patients come in and ask for a little tiny dose and give me half of or a third of whatever's recommended, it's going to last a third as long. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, Lori, I want to thank you so much for your time. This has been so educational and I would love it if you would come back to the show. I know you're super busy, but I would love to do a whole episode with just us talking. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It 